everybody. Welcome back to Afros and Combos. Hello, hello. Hello. Hey, y'all. Oh, that little plain little hello. <laughs> that, wow. was, that was born. That was Ooh. born, Andrea. You. I'm sorry. I have a mouthful of shrimp tacos. I didn't plan that very well. I took a bite right before you started recording, and now. Tis, tis, tis. Letting the fans down. I tell I know, you. Oh, man. Whatever. Mm-mm-mm. Um, Like and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on social media at Afros and Combos uh, on IG. Uh, check out the website at www.afrosandcombos.com. Email us at afrosandcombos at gmail.com. How's everybody doing this lovely evening? Great. Doing good. I'm doing good. Highly favored. Yes, everything Drea said. Loved. Ditto. Loved. Yeah. Who loving you, girl? I the more loves loving you. Okay. Okay. And then you know, I have a lot of people in my life that love me. Don't you love me? <laughs> wow. Uh, well. Cricket. cricket. <laughs> Jeez. I love you, Drea. Oh, great. See, I'm loved. You got some fans. Yeah. The fans love you too, Drea. Um, all right, so um, let's dive into some news. Does anybody have some news that we would like t- to share? Kika, go ahead, sis. <laughs> <laughs> Why you guys play me like that? I definitely do have like five stories, and I was like, Girl, I'm just not doing five stories. We're not, but I was gonna cross them out as we went because I was hoping y'all would touch on some of them. But uh, I do, I'll do, I'm going to do two and then an update. So the first, this is for you, Cookie. Did you hear that Jeff Bezos is now officially broken the world record for the richest person ever to work this, yeah, walk I the face it. of this earth with $172 billion? $172 billion. He himself, by himself, could eradicate. 95% of the world's problems alone. That is insane. Financial problems. Financial problems. financial problems, yes. Financial problems, you're right. That's insane. That's insane. I don't even... What do y'all think about that? Like, one person having that much money. I'm just wondering what, what percentage his wife got in the company. <laughs> I don't think she got a percent of the company. I think she walked away with half of, like, I, I want to say it was close to half, yeah, something like that. Close to half at that time. Yeah, she that's didn't get not. No that's, of the company. She didn't get no shares. I don't. She I, had oh, to get you're right. Shares. She did get shares. You're right. She got shares. So yeah, she, she did. It's in real pretty too. Okay, I just want her. She had a hundred. Yeah, because I because I remember it was like I can't remember if it was before the pandemic happened or whatever. I think it was like a month or two before we went on quarantine. She dumped like. Maybe a, like 14, 10, 14 million shares of it or whatever. So, yeah, she she's sitting on some shares. I forgot about that. Okay, that's yeah. all. Yeah, she's sitting real pretty. But uh, shout out to Jeff. I don't really know how to feel about that. I feel some kind of way. I just don't know what it is. But hey, you shout out to him and all that money. Uh, not bad. It's just one person having all that money. It's just kind of like, dude, like. I mean, but, like, what is he supposed to do? Like, he started a company that has become wildly successful, and literally every day he's worth more and more money. Yeah. I mean, even if you're a philanthropist, like, I can't, I mean, you want me to walk away from my company because it's being worth more and more every day? Like, what am I supposed to do about that? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. 
but that's a whole lot of money. Um, okay, did y'all hear about what's going on with uh, August Alcina and uh, oh, Jada Smith? <laughs> August said we 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 need to spice up the year. Twenty twenty ain't been spicy enough. Let me let me throw some. So, Camille, do you know who August Alcina is? <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, do you know who so... Jada Pinkett Smith is? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Do you? I just play. So he had a very close relationship with the Smith family, like in the past. Yeah, he was on that little rant Yeah, he wanted the little family members or whatever. So rumors started happening. He dropped a song sometime last year that was real like, uh, what? That was like kind of hinting that he had a relationship with Jada. So folks were just kind of like, hey, is this about Jada? Like, what you talking about? Some woman that you love that it didn't work out, all this stuff. And he was just kind of brushing it off, brushing it off, brushing it off. So there was this rumor that's been going around for a minute that him and, you know, Jada had a little thing. You know, the Smiths are rumored to have their little open marriage situation. So folks were, like, speculating. Nobody was speaking on it. So this brother said, you know what, let's kick off the summer real right. <laughs> and went and did an uh, uh, interview with Angela Yee and oh, spilled all the tea. Brother was just like, yes, we had a relationship. I loved her. Will, Will gave me permission. and this is what went down, and it was all these things. Girl, Will that apparently Will and Jada, of course, haven't spoke, spoken out on it. The only thing Jada like tweeted saying that you know there may be a red table talk coming out, which I'm like, girl, you ain't about to do no darn red table no, talk. No, I read this, that she but... denied what he was saying. That she said it wasn't true. Well, yeah, she there's did. her rep. Yeah, her, her reps are saying she denied it, and then uh, Will's reps are saying that he never gave any permission. So they're all just like, "No, he's this is so crap." So she's denying it. She's not being silent. But she tweeted that some healing is needed. Yeah. So I'm gonna take myself to the red table. Yeah, Perfect. I thought that she right. said that yeah. after mm-hmm. she had already said it wasn't true. Right. She yeah. she had denied. Right. Also, Look, she I believe, I believe she August. I believe August. I believe August. Like. <laughs> I believe him. Like, I believe him. I think something definitely went down between the two of them. Because I already thought it was really strange that he was rocking with their family so tough. And it was, like, on some, like... Because at first it was kind of making it seem like he was, like, one of the kids kind of a thing. Yeah, that's what and, I... Right, but I think it's so weird. Yeah, but then there were, like... I've seen pictures of him and her that made me be like, nah, bro. Nah, this ain't some like family get to nah. You the little side nigga they done brought you on the family trip with so Jada can have a good time. Like when I saw pictures of them two together, like alone pictures, not like it's a group picture and he happened to be next to her and it's sketchy. No, just the two of them. I was like, nah, something's going on. So when he dropped that song, I was like, okay, he ready to talk. And so when he did this interview, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm not shocked. And I I, I, I 100% believe him. I can't say I 100% agree. Uh, I mean, uh, believe him. Um, I'm not shocked, but honestly, it's a pandemic. Very few things shock me at this point in life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm just very interested to see what she's going to say, how she's going to spin it, because I think she could very easily spin it as he is this unstable character who has mm-hmm. gone down this path and formulated this narrative in his mind that is not true. And I think that that could yeah. also easily be believed because he has been known for being very unstable. 
So yeah. I'm interested to see what she has to say. And w- once both sides have seemingly spoken where I fall and what it feels. You think she going to bring August to the red table talk? No. No, August already been on there. He ain't, and he ain't going back. He ain't what what did they have him on there talking about? So he was on there talking about his addiction, and then so that's where I went because I remember watching that on the red table. Uh, well, I let it play in the background because I ain't really watched that. <laughs> but so I remember hearing it, and I remember him saying at one point that I guess he was addicted. Was it Percocet or something that mm-hmm. he was addicted mm-hmm. to? It was pills. A, okay. oh, a combination yes. of pills, but Percocet was one of them. Yeah, so he he was addicted to that, and he said at one point, like, I think the question was posed, like, what made you, like, shift or, like, what made you decide to get help or whatever, something along those lines. And he was like, I remember, you know, it was like one day you called me and talking to Jada, and you called me and you was breaking down and you was crying and you was saying that I need to, you know, you need to come out of this, blah, blah, blah. You need to get help. And I'm just like thinking at the time it was like, I didn't really think anything of it. And even still, it could be nothing. But like, I feel like that is a lot. Like if I, I'm thinking like as a grown woman, if I'm calling and I'm talking to somebody who is my son's friend or my daughter's friend, am I going to be crying on the phone? Like Mm. crying, pleading for you to get, like, I just, I I feel like that was a little much. And then in in addition to seeing the photos, I feel like the photos were slightly inappropriate. Yeah. Um, I, I just can't imagine a situation where I'm taking photos with my son or daughter's friend in that close of proximity and I'm married. Granted, I understand that they have a different situation and they even they did not come out on the red table and say that they had an open marriage but they Jada did say that we going to be in this joker together. Yep. You might be on one end of that house with, with somebody, somebody else. else and I might be on the other end of that house with somebody else but we oh, okay. in this joker together. That's what she said. Yeah. So it makes me you know I'm a little I don't know. And I just feel like August just got his feelings hurt and he talked yeah, too much now this this yep. is what you need to do you need to stop messing with them little young niggas because little young niggas <laughs> getting their feelings but also they had a years long relationship like he claims i'm like where the receipts at it ain't no mm-hmm. way y'all was what talking on snapchat this whole time and it done all disappeared like no you mm-hmm. should have some viable That's evidence that you were in a years-long relationship with someone if it was at the level that you're claiming that it was. That's fair, too. But I, I think that um, it's almost like, yes, he's coming out and saying that his feelings were hurt, but he's not um, trying to uh, be messy. put her on front right. street necessarily. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's still somebody that he loves. But low-key, because <laughs> to even say it is to put her on front street. So low-key. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But it's still even, I'm saying the way that he's saying it is just like, it's a breakup. Like, because even how he's saying it is like, Will knew about it. There's no reason. Like, I'm not being messy and talking about it. I'm being messy because y'all but don't you know are. about it. But you, but you are. But I'm saying. Because y'all wouldn't like, oh, we're a couple when you were out in a, when you all right, were a couple. But what I'm, 
but what I'm saying is it's not like he's coming out and being like it sounded to me like he was a wounded individual who's just talking about him being hurt not like oh she's saying we ain't together I'm gonna show you that we was together like he's it didn't seem like he was being vengeful it just seemed like he was hurt and he's he trying to speaking vent. that through his art or yeah. through that song I guess I don't know what the song I never heard the song but on the interview it just looked like he was hurt and it's yeah. talking about the fact that he was hurt and all of this but in terms of like you know outing her and showing receipts and showing the nudes because you know it's some nudes up there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't it didn't seem it didn't feel like that yet he just sounds like get a young nigga that's in his feelings and can't he ain't got no friends to vent to right. so he vent into angela Yee. I mean, yeah. but I, I get what you're saying. I agree. I also got that vibe from the interview that, okay, you're coming from your perspective and the fact that you're hurt. But at the same time, you have to understand and realize that simply by you saying this, you are in some way being vindictive right. because no, yeah. I, I get, I get like, what you're y'all wasn't out in public with it. And if you really just need to talk about it, Angela, you ain't your therapist. Like go talk to somebody <laughs> yeah. about it in confidence. If it's really, you yeah. know, on a low key kind of level. Yeah, no, I get, I get what you're saying too. But I, 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 um, at this point, I I agree with Dre. It's like we haven't seen everything. We ain't heard from Jada. And if she had this red table talk, you know that's about to be like, I'm about to put now I'm gonna watch that one. But <laughs> <laughs> but so we can see what she has to say. But at this point, with what I have seen, I am leaning more towards August. I, I believing August. Really? Yeah. Um yeah, I am. I'm leaning more towards believing August. You need to go back and watch that first Red Table Talk and see how often I did, and that's <laughs> that's also why I believe that she, like, I, the fact of how down he was and how um, all this shit is going on and he's seeking her for counsel and all of that stuff, I feel like that relationship was there to have taken, to have stepped, for her to have stepped over the line. But she has like, a bleeding heart. You know how many random kids she call her kids? She also has a vagina. What you mean? Like, I don't, like. <laughs> he has what? a penis. What do you mean? Okay. Oh, okay. Moving right along. Well. <laughs> there that is. That our anatomy lesson yeah, for today. I, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to go that way. I'm just um, saying. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I would not be surprised. But um, yeah, does anybody have news before I give? I want to give some updates on um, the cases that we've spoken about of the unarmed African Americans that have been uh, killed and that have been kind of trending of recent. Yeah, well, well, I have a little bit of news, but uh, well, most of us already know. Um, that a majority of president, well, oh, look at me speaking to existence. Uh, Vice President Biden. Oh, um, she's talking about <laughs> no, 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 I won't talk about him. Vice President Biden, his uh, VP list is full of women of color. Surprise. Um, yeah. and uh, I think I just read this comment from Klobuchar talking about she uh declined the list because she wants it to be a person of color so it can heal the nation. But apparently, according to the Los Angeles Times, um, the top three 
Of course, uh, number one being uh, Kamala Harris. Number two being uh, Tammy Duckworth. Hmm. I wonder, hmm. any relation to Kendrick Lamar? I don't know. Um, and then Representative Karen Bass. They are the top three on the hmm. list, and they're all women hmm. of color. Um, and all are um, mixed race as well black and something else so that's exciting that that's actually possibility and then I have another uh, news Uh, Jeffrey Epstein's ex-girlfriend has been caught in the US and uh, apparently will be charged you said caught in what? in the US she was was uh, in hideout she yes. was in New Jersey. New Jersey. Oh. I mean, apparently she's been hiding out in Paris. Oh, because I know people been they've been looking for her since like he got mm-hmm. arrested. So I mm-hmm. I didn't see where she was actually found it. But wow, Jersey. Ooh, yeah. You would assume it wasn't in America though. Yeah. So I was like, I wonder if she came home for um, like, uh, Corona or something. Came home. Was she not from America? Is she? No, she not, but she had a residence in New York and uh, New Jersey, so. But that don't mean it's home, because she got a residence in Paris as well. I just feel like if you want it in the United States, if you stay away, I don't care what's going on. I know, right? You come back and then go back to the same general area. Girl, you need to be living up your life in somewhere that don't got extradition. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I would be. (laughs) Right up in Spain, huh, girl? Madrid? Ain't no way you can catch me in Jersey. (laughs) <laughs> it gets me living lavishly over in what, Brazil or who else ain't got extradition? Oh, Russia? Somewhere. Spain? No, I ain't gonna be in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, she would be fine in Russia. Yeah, she'd be fine, but I wouldn't be. Yeah, she would be fine. <laughs> yeah that was wild. I saw that and was like, well, okay. Yeah, I feel like, like this is only the beginning. I, like, I feel like it's OV for her. Like, Epstein's dead. Yeah. There is no one to pin all this stuff on but her. She is going down no. and she is going down hard. No. Who else is there? She she gonna sing. It, what? It's a ton of people who are quote unquote implicated in all of this shit. Like that. Have you you have you seen that uh, documentary on Netflix about? I haven't him? seen the one on Netflix, but I've seen other documentaries and podcast but I haven't seen one of them everybody was in that documentary everybody was literally at his compound you know how he had cameras everywhere he had dirt on everybody like everybody but like there are other people who are like implicit in the acts that he committed against the women like like there are other people who committed acts against the women yeah oh okay so they didn't organize it at the level that she did, possibly? No, like, no, I'm saying, you're saying because she organized right, it. Right, I'm saying, saying like she was like right hand, like bringing the girl. Yeah, okay, I get what you're like, saying. Yeah. In that, yeah, because she, she was basically like the mother. Right, but, versus someone yeah. who I came in, I did this, and then I left. That type of Right, thing. but if they willing to cut, like get her to uh, uh, cut a deal or something and give yeah, people up. You know what I'm saying? Like they just nah. see, well, they, gonna, uh-huh. they gonna kill her like they killed Jeffrey. You think they killed him? <laughs> girl, that's a whole girl. You that can go down the whole rabbit hole with nah, that conspiracy theory. I, I don't think he killed himself. Hmm. I do not think he killed. Him. 
all of that aside, I still think she going down and she going down hard. Cause unless she finna hand them, because even I would say one count or two count against a high level person, I would think would be less of a priority than someone who you can, who you have evidence is implicit in hundreds of acts. Like, I no, feel like she, I, I disagree. No, I, I, I no. If you have, if you can take down, like, cause it ain't gonna be one count or two counts. It's gonna be one or two counts against a slew of people, like a like a ton of high ranking people who matter to this country. And the fact, like, and they the wouldn't even, like Jeffrey Epstein. D- didn't even go down until we were able to start tying him to other people mm-hmm. who like you know what I'm saying yeah. like I I'm not saying that she ain't gonna go down but I'm saying I don't think it's gonna be with the book because I feel like she gonna she gonna sing like a like a canary but uh anything else we got I mean, y'all got news I'm gonna do this okay so let me do this update real quick um as you all know in the past we've talked about the unfortunate murders of um, those that are trending anyway, the um, unarmed black um, men and women who have been, who've lost, their, lost their lives at the hands of police officers. Just want to kind of give a quick update and talk about a, an unfortunate new case. Um, first on um, Ahmad Arbery, um, the update, uh, they had a preliminary trial hearing on June 4th and the judge determined that there's enough evidence present to try all three men um, for murder. Um, I also saw that the, well, yeah, so that's what that update is on that. Uh, Concerning George Floyd, the judge apparently is threatening to potentially relocate the trial out of Minneapolis um, due to what they're saying is the prosecution making some bias, like they're making the trial apparently potentially biased. So um, the officers and are trying to see it be ro- relocated too, so they can try and get an unbiased jury. That is not that's very rare to happen in Minnesota apparently. So they're not thinking that's actually going to happen, but that's the what they're pushing for. Chauvin, the main officer, has been charged with second degree murder, and the three other ones have been charged with aiding and abetting um, in second degree murder and second degree manslaughter. Um, Breonna Taylor, the 26-year-old young lady who was killed in her home when the cops barged in with a no warrant um, raiding her home. A no-knock warrant. No-knock warrant. Thanks, Vicky. Um, one cop has been fired, um, but aside from that, they changed the search warrant rule and put a new law in place to honor her, but none of these cops have been you know, arrested or fired or even put on admin leave besides that one cop. So there's still a lot of uh, protest and speaking up for Breonna Taylor to get some form of justice moving in her case, which Kiki, I think you mentioned last week about the fact that you were like, you don't think anything's going to happen to the cops because the focus is more so on the no knock warrant than it is the forcible entry, like the extreme force by the officers. Yeah, I mean, because unless it can come, like something comes out that like those officers knew that they were going to their own house or something of that nature, everything that they did was legally sanctioned. So I don't foresee anything happening. The issue in that case is that what they did was legal. 
that's the problem. Mm -hmm. So, and that's why the push is to get that no knock warrant out and, you know, figure out what's going to happen. But realistically arrested, I don't like, I think firings can happen, but arrested is probably not going to happen. But I don't even see why they would be fired. If honestly, based on the way it was set up, they did their jobs the way they were supposed to. Right. I think, I think the firings would only happen because of pressure, Mm -hmm. right? Cops are at will employees. And unless, and I, no, I think here is in Atlanta, there's a difference with the police unions or whatever. So I don't know what the police union is like in um, Kentucky or in Louisville or whatever, but uh, you know, they're at will employees, so they can be fired. But ultimately, like they, that officer that got fired is probably suing or in the process of suing to either get his job back or some type of compensation. Because again, what he did was legally sanctioned. That's the issue. Not that I mean, yes, it is terrible that she lost her life, but the fact is, is that what they did, based off of everything I've seen, is legally sanctioned. So unless it comes out that they knew that they were going into the wrong house, or there's some type of documentation that you know shows that there there was malice there, I don't think that there's anything that's going to happen. Yeah, and I think the only thing I've seen closest to any form of malice was her what the report that they did where they pretty much was like no injuries and they left all they lied on the report of her injuries and what happened but I mean they could probably explain that away but that's also good information to know in when you're championing for justice what you need to be focusing on Mm -hmm. um the last case is Elijah McClain um I've been seeing this floating around social media I've intentionally kind of disengaged from it um outside of this update on the podcast because it just seemed extremely heartbreaking based on what I've read um, and I still haven't, do, you know, dove fully into the story. But from what I know, the 23-year-old young man who was killed in August of 2019 in Colorado, walking home after going to a convenience store to get an iced tea for his brother, um, he had on an open face ski mask that, because he was anemic, intended to be cold, listening to music. Um, someone called saying he seemed suspicious. Uh, cops showed up. They claimed he resisted arrest and reached for their gun. They put him in a chokehold, um, in a co- carotid hold, I believe they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they knocked him out, they called first responders who injected him with ketamine. It was too, the dosage was way too large of a dosage for his body size, which I'm thinking if you're a first responder, you should know the quantity to give an individual of a drug like that. But um, he unfortunately had a heart attack on the way to the hospital, and then he died some days later from brain um, after being declared brain dead. Um, I have not listened to the audio of his last words. I've read it, and it is beyond heartbreaking. Um, can't even imagine, like even just the thought of them saying he reached for their gun and resisted arrest. Um, in contrast to his last words, don't even make sense because from what I read, even when they had him in the chokehold, he was still like speaking blessings on them and being kind and just um, not being aggressive in any way, shape, or form. So um, that's neither here nor there. But um, as of now, that case happened in August. We're just kind of hearing a wave of it with social media and activists, you know, speaking on the issue. Um, I don't believe, I believe all the officers were, um, like, said to not have been in the wrong. So as of now, nothing has been moved forward concerning getting any kind of justice with the 
police officers that have been involved. So I think we're kind of in the early stages of people just kind of bringing attention to it. But um, that was extremely heartbreaking. And I'm hoping that, you know, the next update concerning Elijah's case and the other ones will be that officers are, except with Brianna, but officers are tried and justice is served and um, will set a new standard for which acts like this actually come with repercussions as opposed to just you can do whatever the hell you want and get away with it. But just want to give an update on that so, you know, listeners know where we're at with that. And one last update. Uh, so Kika mentioned on the podcast uh, WNBA player Maya Moore, who stopped playing um, in order to fight for justice for a, a man named Jonathan Irons, who was convicted at the age of 16, I believe, but was tried as an adult, got sentenced to 50 years in prison for robbery and assault, um, which resulted in the death of no one, but he got 50 years. Um, yeah. And, uh, he served, I want to say it was, I know it was over 20 years. I want to say it was 22, 23 years of his sentence and walked out yesterday. He is a free man. Um, yeah. Shout out to my, shout out to the team of lawyers that really worked diligently on that case to get him out. Um, there was some prosecutorial misconduct there that they were hiding clearly exculpatory evidence um and yeah and even when the judge said it is clear that you guys have manipulated this evidence uh there's nothing here so that we're gonna vacate his sentence uh or um the conviction we're gonna wipe the conviction away the prosecution team still appealed and continued to appeal tooth and like fight tooth and nail even though it is clear and it's on the record the judge said that y'all engaged in misconduct but you know, yeah. I hate that. I but he like, walked out. Yeah. I feel like the prosecutors are always like, like you watch these documentaries or these shows about people who have gotten vindicated after all of these years, all this stuff, and they just be like, I still believe we got the mm-hmm. right person. It's yeah. like it's impossible for them if they admit that they could have made a mistake about this one person. Then it's like mm-hmm. I guess it brings into question everything they ever did. Mm-hmm. And that's too large of a burden to take on. So they just choose Mm -hmm. to stand on the side of, I am absolutely certain about every person that I prosecuted ever. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, that's just unreasonable. Mistakes happen. And that's just, it's just unreasonable. And it's also a problem that we, we, we judged them off of wins and instead yeah. of how just your results are. Yeah. So it's literally like how many convictions can you get? Not how many just convictions do you have? Um, which is a problem. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it was, it's, and what's crazy is that these individuals, a lot of these individuals who are wrongfully convicted exonerees are just like, some of the most gracious people like it's even like like jonathan irons was like you know like i don't even because they asked him something about the because the victim wrongfully identified him and he said that the you know he feels sorry for the victim and you know he he feels that the victim was manipulated into getting which the victim was because i believe he was shown a sheet of uh suspects and only Jonathan Irons picture was in color mm. the other ones were in black yeah. and white so it's clear that somebody is standing out um 
Yeah. Or something to that nature. Or it was like either he was in color or he was facing it. Something was different about his photo that was like from the other ones because the other ones were um, mug shots and Jonathan Irons had no priors. So there was no uh. mug shot of him. Um, yeah. So he was talking about how the victim was manipulated and he just, you know, he doesn't blame him. And if the victim feels, you know, he was like, eventually, you know, the victim is probably going to feel some type of guilt or whatever, but I want him to know that I have forgiven him and there's no reason for him to feel guilty. And, and I'm just like, man, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the most gracious people (laughs) where it's just, you served 23 years because this man pointed you out. I want to pay my cousin out everybody. Mama's granddaughters. Everybody. Maybe in 23 more years, I'll be able to. <laughs> but I feel like, like wow. but I feel like what would that level of hate or vindictiveness have done to you for Dug 23 years, even yeah. without the prospect of getting out? I mean, yeah, because yeah. the likelihood of a conviction being overturned is like slim to none. Like that happens for practically yeah. nobody. So you like, okay, I'm in here for 50 years to hold on to that much hate and anger. That probably, I don't, I don't know if you would have made it 50 years. Yeah, that's true. He was a child. He was a child. Uh, Yeah. His practice. Yeah. His entire life has been taken pretty much. Mm -hmm. That sucks, dude. He's been in jail longer than he's been Been out out of jail. And when you think about like the, the conditions he was probably subject to in there, the psychological effects and, you just think about the long-term effects. You think about the fact that, I mean, what usable skill sets does he have to now be able to yeah. function at any sort of level versus especially a high level in society now? Like, yeah, that's going to affect him like forever. Yeah, because what, in tw- <laughs> 23 years ago, was what? Ooh, like, it wasn't even a thing. 1990, oh, wow. like what? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like 1997? It wasn't a thing. At least she was in dial-up or AOL Messenger. <laughs> that Was that, that even a thing? A, I don't know if AOL was, was like a thing in 97. That was like 2000 something, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. He went in before Y2K, sis. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was like back in the day with the car phones, wasn't it? That was oh, in the briefcase. Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, man. Yes. And you had pagers to try and get a hold of somebody. Yes. Two ways. I mean, he was 16 mm. years old when that happened. This man is coming out to a phone can get you any information in two seconds. That's Which I'm sure he's yeah. not completely ignorant to how the outside world works. Right. But at the same time, it's like when you think about usable skill sets for mm-hmm. meaningful employment, like what does that really look like? Like, even just straight up, just basic education level. I mean, yes, you can still obtain an education while you are incarcerated, but it's hard to get a good education in regular public school, let alone when you're behind bars. Like, I would not bet on that being a quality education. But honestly, that man served a huge role in getting himself out Mm. because he's the one who kick-started it. He was going to the law library and reading books, and his attorneys specifically said he is one of the most active clients i have ever had like he had he had drawn up most of his um brief to get him like to argue to get him out and they were like we used as much of that as we can and it was a substantial part to push it over the edge like so he ain't no dummy you know what i'm saying like it's 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 amazing it's amazing but i was just i was just moved by his grace i'm like 
That's how they all be too. When they get out, that's what I'm saying. They be so gracious. I'll be like, wow. They'll be holding hands with the people who like the person who picked them in the lineup, and I probably wouldn't do that. No. I, I'll forgive you. But I, don't know if I, <laughs> I ain't holding your hand. I don't know if I'll be kumbaya with you. Yeah, girl, just one on that little series, uh, the Innocent File series on Netflix. Anyway, yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap up the section, and we will be right back. All right, and we're back. Um, so don't know if you've noticed, you probably have, but the past, I don't know what, four or five episodes have literally been on race. Um, and we decided that we were going to kind of make it into, um, uh, you know, in hindsight, make it into a a series. Um, so we're going to have two more episodes. Well, this one and one more episode um dealing with race and it will likely be a conversation that we continue so another it'll in the future there'll be future mini series that we pick up just because this is a conversation as we have alluded to that we want to make sure doesn't die um and is not just here as an opportunistic moment for companies and uh, entertainment to take advantage of. This is a conversation that needs to continue moving forward. So we will do our part to continue having that conversation. So stay tuned for when those series happen and we will make sure to announce it on the front end instead of in hindsight. Uh, amen. Amen. All right. So this um, evening, we want to spend a little time talking about um, activism um and you know what does activism look like for us and i want to start by so we have seen um countless protests going on all across the country that have been happening across the world at this point right that have been happening for you know upwards of a month at this point has it been a month -hmm. maybe three weeks a few weeks it's been longer than that it's only been three weeks it's, yeah, it's it's I believe they started in June, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yes. <laughs> it's it seems like it's been a long time, but yeah, so protests that have been happening. Um I know for a fact that I have not been to near protest. Um I don't believe that any of you all have been to a protest. Nope. So I want to ask, um, have you felt guilty? Have you first of all, have you felt led? to go to a protest and in your absence of not going to a protest have you felt guilty and not doing so you say led you mean led by my con anything like conscience holy spirit anything (laughs) anger it could be anything led by anything well i'm not gonna how are you gonna um, start asking questions? I just need clarity. Maybe y'all need a clarity too. Y'all just ain't know it. Nah, we didn't. But uh, <laughs> I'll go first. Um, um, much the protests in terms of what we've been seeing nationally, mm-hmm. um, I haven't felt like a need led or unction to go. Um, if I went, it would be one of those things where honestly I'll be like, oh yeah, I was at this massive protest for something like that. Um, but this was 100% not an option because, uh, 
um, pandemic happening and you know and folks just out there not social distancing without mask on that no go I mean I no go I'm just that's not wise but my church did have like a prayer walk kind of a thing where it was um you know, they put in measures of social distancing and mask and all that stuff. And I considered going, but I couldn't. And I felt a little bit of guilt, kind of like, man, I wish I could go. Um, but it wasn't like I was beating myself up because I couldn't make it. I've never really been like, this protest is the answer to things. Um, I, I, say, I recognize the purpose and the place of it, but I've never just felt like that's my lane. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Kika. Um, I did not feel led to go um, to any protests because I saw that they were not wearing masks and very close together. Um, and I thought it was wise and better for my community to stay at home and not um, spread the virus. And uh, we see the impact of what's happening now as it is increasing. Um, I, I did not feel any guilt um, and like Kika said, I do see a purpose for um, peaceful protests, and I and I love to see uh, the unity that happens there. Um, but I believe there are other ways that you can be active in, you know, perpetuate a change. Yeah. Well, I'll say that I um, I still don't know about lead. I don't know about that word, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't feel inclined to go to a pro. Well, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to answer that portion of the question. So I'm not. <laughs> but oh I, gosh. yes, I felt guilt, and I think it's because I was in a very much so in a space of I have protested before, mm-hmm. and so then to now there's all of this stuff going on, but I'm not. And then it's like, okay, well, yes, there is the threat of COVID, but if people could protest in the face of dogs and people with guns and the threat of losing their life, then not protesting because of a virus, is that really a viable enough cause for me to not stand up for this if I believe strongly enough that this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, But I don't know, but I didn't and I haven't. But honestly, I feel like I haven't because I've just been, even just the thought of it is just so overwhelmingly exhausting for me at this point that I think I'm at in life that I was just like, okay, I have protested before and here we are, people still getting mm-hmm. killed, and this is still a conversation, and okay, now all these other people have jumped on board, and they want to hold up some signs, but okay, I've been holding a sign, and so I don't necessarily feel inclined to hold a sign now just because you're holding a sign, um, and it's interesting because I was talking to one of my friends about this situation, and she's white, and I was kind of talking through with her feeling like I need to protest, but feeling guilty that I'm not. But then do I really feel like I need to just that whole sort of dichotomy. And she, and I was saying to her, it's almost like, I don't know if you're a non-missionary, if you'll understand this, but when I was on the world race, I was, mm, it was a lot of, I was 
okay, let's just say a long-term missionary. I was on the field for about a year. So Mm -hmm. there would be short-term missionaries that would come and be doing ministry where we were, and they would be there for like three days, five days, a week maybe. And so there was a huge difference between us as long-term missionaries and them as short-term missionaries. Short-term missionaries, they don't sleep for five days. They are like literally there was these teams that would come in when we were in El Salvador and they would be wrapping gifts all night, throwing Christmas parties at the orphanage during the day. In the afternoons, they were handing out food to the homeless and then they wake up and the next morning and build a house. And then like literally they would just go as hard as they could for five days. And then when they get back home, they crash. But as a long-term missionary, it's like, I can't live my life like that because that's not sustainable. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. ministry in this form ends for me at 5 o'clock, and when it's 5 o'clock, I'm done. And I have that's a good. Sabbath, and I am going to be resting, and I'm not doing a traditional sense of ministry on that day. And so I kind of mm-hmm. feel like that in this position, like kind of like this is something that's been on the forefront of my heart and something that I have had to live and care about and fight for for as long as I can remember, like last episode, me and Camille were talking about protesting in some form when we were in high school. And I have Mm -hmm. examples of things that happened even earlier on than that. And so it's like, okay, I'm 30 years into this right now. So no, I don't. And then I see all of these people who are just taking up this cause. And it's like, okay, y'all look like short-term missionaries. Y'all gonna burn out in a week or two or three. And then you're going to be on to the next cause. But I'm like long term in this. And so I don't necessarily feel inclined to have to do everything that you're doing. That's a great analogy. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Yeah, that's good. And honestly, I will say that. So I I, I um think the narrative of, and I'm not saying that y'all said this specifically, but that the narrative of like, what does protesting do or uh, we're protesting, but what's next or whatever the case may be. I think that what you just drove that Drea is something one, I want us to get away from that narrative because protesting does serve a, serve a purpose. It absolutely does because regardless of what you see um, in the media, what you see on social media, what is right in front of you Work has been going on behind the scenes forever and constantly. People have been lobbying Congress people. People have been um, advocating in terms of um, cases. People have been building their own precedent to be able to argue down some of these laws, basically taking cases that will move the law like short term uh, like mm-hmm. inching, inching, mm-hmm. inching to get what they, the ultimate goal of what they want. People have been fighting, but behind the scenes in terms of, you know, legislating, um, uh, arguing cases in court, um, trying to uh, move boardrooms. But when there is no, um, what the what the protest does is put it to like we disrupt some shit like we di- we make it uh difficult for you to get to and from work we make it difficult for you to drive up and down the street so now you hit these people one in their pockets and two you're seeing um it it drives attention to a large it 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 
it's almost like a catalyst. It's like the the fire that ignites the the match that people have been, or not the match, the wick that people have been building to ignite this dynamite to hopefully initiate change, right? And especially if it gets violent to where you have police officers reacting to people and it's like, people have been talking about police abuses for I don't know how long. And one, you see police react to protesters um, violently who for no reason you see police officers taking big ass bins of water bottled water that was out there for protesters and stabbing it with knives you yeah. see police op- to just just to be vindictive you see police officers spraying people walking in front of them with pepper spray for no reason so you see this like just this it's literally it's the same sort of the very similar to what happened in the civil rights movement where you have all these peaceful protests they are specifically being peaceful to get you angry to sick your dogs on them to sick the water hoses on them so now we see in live action what you guys have been talking about right these people very well might be the short-term missionaries who your job is to go out and ignite the fire that we have been talking about so that everybody can see it play out on TV so that we can get the, the motion behind the people who are fighting behind the scenes. So that now we've been sitting here talking to you. Talking doesn't do enough, but now you can see on your TV that these 20-somethings, these, these teenagers are being mauled down by police officers for no reason. You get what I'm saying? Like it, everybody serves a purpose. I don't feel like my purpose in this stage in my life is to be a protester. And I just think that that's one because of, uh, age also because of my, um, resources in terms of education and finances. My best role is to work behind the scenes, right? I am more effective working behind the scenes. I, I have a skill set to help behind the scenes that a lot of the protesters who are fresh out of college for a lot of them are fresh out of college, not saying that all of them, there are some who are not. Um, But there are a lot of people who don't have my skill set who are out there fighting. My skill set is better used and better served here. Everybody serves a purpose in the movement. And I, the, the analogy to the short-term mission missionary is literally like, that was like, yes, everybody serves a purpose. They got to go hard and get the, the uh, media attention. They got to go hard and get all of these eyes on them watching the chaos go on. That ain't my role. I'm not the most effective in that role. And so I, I have felt guilty and not going because like Drea said, I have protested for less. There has been, I literally recall in high school, walking out with like, we all organized a walkout because we felt a coach was being mistreated. Like, so we just flat out walked out of school, like protesting in that manner. We got in trouble too. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) but it's like, I protested for less and I'm sitting here and I'm like feeling guilty. But then it's like, I go back and I think, and it's like, that's just not, I'm not most effective there. And also, not only am I not most effective there, my family life looks a lot different. Like, I have a child here. Like, I, you know what I mean? There are certain things that I can do while I have a child that's not on the front lines of the protest, but I'm still being effective in what I'm doing at home. You know what I'm saying? So I think we all play a role. And I think that age, resources, finances, and all of that definitely play a role into where you fit in the movement, where you're the most uh, active. Uh, or effective, should I say. 
Um, which drives me into the next point. So how do you guys think that we kind of touched on a little bit, but how do you think that your privilege, uh, or anybody's privilege affects activism? Do you think privilege affects activism first of all? And if so, how so? I think, I think that it should affect activism because, you know, your privilege is an area where you have the ability to be seen and be heard and be effective in a way that other people do not, which is why it is your privilege. So I would say if you are financially or economically privileged in a way that other people are not, then the way that you oppose oppression should reflect that it should you can't just open your mouth but not be willing to open your wallet if you have money and resources that other people do not and if you are a person who is in a place of power or influence over things that can help make change then I think that you should use that to help make change and also like white privilege this is another conversation that I've had with one of my white friends was that like there are going to be certain circumstances where people are going to show them the person I was talking to is going to show you their bias or their prejudice in settings that they would never show to me they will have conversations with you that they would never have with me because I can't hide the fact that I'm black so when you find yourself in those situations, if you truly want to help affect change, then you need to be willing to speak up in those situations and you need to be educated enough to bring factual information to those situations so that it can be effective. So yes, I think that you should assess the ways in which you are privileged in this country or in this world or in life in general and use those things to, uh, be more effective in your activism. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think the way that you do activism, um, yeah, like you said, should and can um, be impacted by your privilege. And I think a lot of the times, especially um, millennial, Black millennials, we have such a unique position that we're in because uh, a lot of us are educated and a lot of us are the only ones in our spaces. And a lot of the times, because I know I'm guilty of this as well, there are times where I'm just like, I, I don't want to have to represent my race today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, I have to. I mean, it, literally, I, I do that because I am the only black person at my job. But there are times where I have to put myself aside and I have to engage in conversations. I have to correct things. And at times, there, there's a risk that's associated with that, even in that space, because I'm talking to the, the, the head of the company and I'm saying how your policies are impacting me or excluding me. So I, I think a lot of the times we ignore those small steps that we can take in activism, but that's activism as well. And that we should use those spaces that we're in to effectuate change. And I also think that they, I think that they may hold more power than we think, because those are daily relationships that you're interacting with that, that you can hold accountable. So, yes, I definitely think that your privilege can affect the way that um, you engage in activism. Yeah, I agree, too. Um, even just thinking about the, like, our podcast, like, this is a form of activism. 
um, and having these conversations and having, you know, listeners that we know that, you know, have directly spoken to us individually saying your podcast helped me to be more educated. Um, We're privileged enough to have the finances to be able to do this. We're privileged enough to be able to have the time and the resources to be able to, to do this. So I think that, um, yeah, it, it, it can and it should. Um, I know I find myself in very unique spaces where I get to speak to um, a lot of white people that have a lot of influence um, because of my past experiences and the people I interact with. And that's a privilege I have. And um, it has to be utilized in, in a way that furthers the cause of uh, educating people, even like when Camille is saying, it can be uncomfortable, it can be a risk. Um, looking at your manager or the owner of the company and being like, yeah, this is where you're missing it at. But um, yeah, I think I think our privilege should affect everything in life, but specifically this situation in a positive way. And I think it can also affect it in a negative way because you have... Um, like speaking to the people who haven't experienced racism directly, who don't take the time to educate themselves and they want to be of help, but then they start giving their help in the wrong way. So we're talking about that couple who gave yeah. what millions of dollars to mm-hmm. the, to like more Bill house and more stuff. House. And we're mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Yeah. It could go somewhere else. That's privilege mis- misdirected. Absolutely. So, had they had conversations or even just read, taking some time to say, how can, let's not, it's not just let's give, but how can we give in the most- Yeah, they probably way. Googled HBCU. Yeah. So that's a way that privilege is, it's like, man, that's great. That's a lot of money, but imagine where $20 million would have went going towards a completely different cause yeah. that, or a different institution that is, that does- great work but does not have the money for it so or that like serves a different demographic of student like literally who you gave your money to literally you are not at all doing what it is you said you were hoping to do because Mm -hmm. you gave your money to the wrong place you gave your money yes to a black school but not one that is servicing the demographic of people who you said you're trying to reach I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I just, and they and and I think out of their privilege, they probably 100% believe because privilege also comes with ignorance. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they believe that what they did was worthy cause and, and was great. And they got a lot of pat in the backs by the stories. Like when it was shared, it wasn't critiques on it. When I saw the news, it wasn't people saying, "Hey, this is great," but it was, "Yo, this is amazing." But yeah, and it, and it was great. Yeah. It just could have been greater. Yeah. Like, your true, impact could have been much greater. Like, the heart behind oh, it was great, but the effectiveness right. of it, I think, is not going to be... It's going mm-hmm. to be nil unless you put some ramifications that say you have to use this as scholarship funds for students right. who fall within this specific criteria right. of who we're trying yeah. to meet because those specific types of students are not going to a Spelman, they are not going to a Morehouse, and your money is not going to help. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. Um, we kind of hit on some examples of uh, what activism has looked like for us, but are there uh, other examples that you specifically want to share about how 
activism has looked like um, for you at any stage in your life? Yeah, um, concerning this issue, activism is more of a recent thing, just because growing up, I wasn't talking about being You wouldn't woke. Yeah, I was not woke. I was 100% asleep. I was tucked in real nice. Um, I wasn't even trying to get up. I kept. I didn't even have an alarm set. That's how good the sleep was. Uh, I had no plan of waking up. But over the last, you know, I'll say five to seven years, you know, you all's help and other relationships that I've had, I've had the opportunity to grow in this area and just become more aware of it. Um, and be, you know, having the conversations, the t- difficult conversations with white people that I find myself in relationship with. Um, and I am in a, I'm in ministry. So that's a completely different beast in itself because it's different conversations that are having happening outside of like, it's one thing to just talk to a white person. It's just like, okay, this is what systematic oppression is and all that stuff. It's another thing to have a conversation with. This is what systematic oppression is and this is what racism is. And this is how it's affected um, Western faith and Christianity. Like, that's a whole nother beast in itself. So um, I'm grateful to be, you know, in relationship with some amazing, you know, people who aren't just wanting to be educated, but we're also trying to implement things to... Um, address this issue of racism and its infiltration in um, Western Christianity. And I get to, you know, lead, you know, panel discussions and get to be a part of material that's being created to address this issue. And that's super exciting for me. Um, And I mean, that's, it's really fulfilling. So that's my activism, like right now, presently. Dre, you gonna say something? Uh, yeah. Okay. So I have two things. One, I want to give a shout out to my world race bestie, Caitlin, because how Kika was saying that like our podcast is a form of activism for us. I didn't see that. I didn't recognize that until she mm-hmm. pointed that out to me when I was walking mm-hmm. through, like talking through my struggle with activism with her, and she was just like, "But you have your podcast, and you are giving a voice to." these topics and these things and that's important and I was like oh yeah you're right you're right so uh shout out to her for speaking truth in that moment and also I was gonna say this isn't something that I have done but this is something that I have I don't know someone told me about but I know a guy who is well was a teacher of I don't know they're like kindergarten kids maybe maybe even younger than that and so Long story short, one of the kids in his class, one of the white kids in his class said, oh, I know your friend, such and such. He was killed. He was killed by the police. And the guy was like, oh, like, what do you know about that or something? And he was like, yeah, he was killed by the police. The police killed him because he was black. And this kid's like, I'm going to say five years old. Y'all know I don't really know the ages of kids. I'm not really <laughs> Kindergarten, Kindergartners are five. I don't know nothing about kids, but I'm just going to say the boy. They're like five. 13. <laughs> but as we are, you know, in our 30s, coming into the lane of people are having kids, and like it is so vitally important that we instill in our children uh, understanding of the truth and we do not allow them to be blind to the world. And even having conversations 
with white friends who have children. So they are having those conversations with their children because Mm -hmm. I would not have expected this five-year-old white boy to be like, oh yeah, the police killed your friend because he was black. Like what? And even Mm -hmm. the guy I know who sent me the video of it was like, can you believe this? Wow. His parents are like, I can't believe his parents are teaching him this, but yeah, I think that we have a responsibility not just to do what we can while we're here, but also to help the next generation understand the truth of where we are so that they can be better. Like, because mm-hmm. if they don't understand where we are, then they will come up and be oblivious to essentially where they are and where everything mm-hmm. is. So mm-hmm. that's all I got. Yeah. And to go along with what you're saying, also instilling it into our teenagers. I had a really, really good conversation um, with a group of uh, teenagers um, a couple of weeks ago. And it's it's really cool because you learn so much. I wish the other generations uh, anyway uh you learn so much from the uh the generation and the issues that they're facing are so uh they're similar but they're so different because of the times that we're in and just talking to them um because a a majority of them they're young black women and they go to predominantly white schools and um just seeing how they navigate the issue of race and how um, they didn't realize that what they were doing was activism in their own way and helping them refine that and learn how to have a voice when it's uncomfortable or having a voice to say what's right or what's wrong um, was inspiring. So, you know, older millennials, let's let's reach out to the generations behind us because they're they're willing and they're listening to us and following us. So just add that along to what you were saying, Andrea. Yeah, I mean, I so I uh, kind of talked about um, some of the stuff that I had going on in high school last episode, where I kind of you know voiced my opinion in a lot of classes. That was not the only class that I've had opinions about race on. There have been several, um, and I didn't, you know, I think I went to a high school that was that was good enough to have those type of discussions so you know it wasn't as regimented as a lot of other schools um but um in um graduate school I spent some time um diving in so I worked for the innocence project for a little bit trying to get wrongfully convicted uh people out so that was um very rewarding um and Camille you actually reminded me of a situation where it was um a small level of activism on my part so I interned at a um at a firm in Richmond Virginia which if you don't know was the capital of the confederacy and they make it known there are confederate monuments everywhere they're lit they literally have like a walk with a bridge where they're you know like the the planks on the bridge or whatever have like uh quotes from confederate soldiers and one of the quotes on there says something to the effect because i don't know if y'all so richmond back way back when when they were about to lose like when the confederacy was about to lose they burnt their own city down because they would rather burn the city down than lose to the union and 
to effect that's what the the quote says but i was uh interning with this firm and this firm obviously they tried to woo you and wine and dine you and they take you on all these excursions and all this shit learn the city um (laughs) Literally almost every outing that we went to that was not like a bar or something like that was uh, immersing us in the quote unquote quote culture of Richmond, oh, which goodness. means that we're going on segways on Monument Row. We're going on <laughs> the a walk on the 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 quote plank uh, bridge. We're doing all this stuff that has to, we're going and sitting in a church where uh, some character i can't remember maybe it was paul revere i can't remember somebody very important way back in history sat in church and then it was like a bunch of these like members of the confederacy went to this church and they are like touting that like all this stuff and i remember like literally this is week after week after week after week of just this immersion in confederate culture and i remember they had like these exit interviews and they asked me how everything was and i told them i said and might i add i was there on a diverse through a diversity program it was (laughs) me and two other diverse candidates so one girl was also black and it was another girl who was i think she was gay so I think she was diverse because she was a lesbian but so we were three diverse candidates and they called me and they asked me how everything was I said you know one thing y'all could do better y'all could stop showing me as the diverse candidate all the shit that has to do with this confederacy because one thing I don't feel welcome here and y'all are y'all are literally taking me like yeah isn't this great and and I'm just like are you kidding me I had to go home and google like stuff to do with slavery because this is the heart (laughs) of the confederacy I know y'all got some slavery shit here so like there's literally like a slavery walk where you can walk there was a trail downtown where they had trails we didn't go to that i'm like why didn't we go to that you have like y'all have not mentioned the underlying issue with the confederacy and all of these cultural things and i like i obviously didn't have a job at that point like so i am on an exit interview where it's like they're evaluating whether or not they want to bring me back but it was like if y'all can't hear this and take this then this is not someplace that i want to be and so I told him and I literally left from there and went back to my office and I got a call from the head person of the program. Mm. She called me and she was like, I am so sorry. I did not recognize that it. it comes off that way. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm glad y'all know. And they, guess what? They ain't do it no more. But guess what? <laughs> None of us of the diverse candidates went back there. Like we all got offers to come back. None of us went back. We all went somewhere else. So I think that me speaking up and saying that I had a problem with that in conjunction with the fact that none of us went back, even though y'all offered all of us a job, that, you know, that's that's something, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to put your action. I will will say in that lane, I have also been not, in that exact situation but i have also been in situations where it's like okay you're you're doing something you're playing something you're showing us something to this big huge group and i'm like hello i'm offended um can we not do this like this um and i will say surprisingly every situation i have found myself in like that 
when I have gone and said, okay, you did A, B, and C, and it made me feel like this, and, you know, perhaps you could do it like this, and that would be a bit more inclusive, or that would be better. Every time I've done that, they have been super receptive to it. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been like, oh, you just over-exaggerated. You... No, it was like, oh, I actually didn't see that or understand that because I don't have the same life perspective as you. Thank you for showing me something that I didn't see before. And going forward, we will definitely make changes to make that be different. Mm-hmm. Which I, I agree. And that was my experience. Yeah. That was my experience from that. Like literally, I'm telling you, I made it to my office and then I got the call from there, uh, from the lady who was over it, apologizing. And which leads me to my so Dre, you kind of talked about that, like well, these experiences where things have been shown to you and you raised your hand and said this is a problem, I don't like it. Camille, you kind of alluded to it that you talked to some employers on that regard, and you know that's a form of activism. Were y'all fearful of losing whatever it was that you had a job, an offer, friends, whatever? Were you fearful? And why why did you push past that to say what it was that you had to say? I'll start I'll start while y'all think. Okay. So I I will say I was scared. Um and I had a conversation with the other the other diverse candidate with me who was also black and I asked her, like, what do you think about like cause we have had conversation offline about it and how we were bothered by it. And I said, I feel like I'm gonna say something. And she was like, You really gonna say something? Like you gonna say hmm. I'm like yeah, I've been thinking about this and I think I'm going to say something. And if I, I, I was scared and literally I have been thinking, cause I could have said something like week two, this was literally 10 weeks of this, of, of sitting through yeah. these type of presentations. I could have said something week one, week two, week three. When I tell you week after week, we did this, I could have said something, but I didn't because I was scared. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end, I'm just like, Nah, I'm I'm gonna say something, and I have been marinating on it, and I literally just came to terms with like, if this ain't it, this ain't it, and if I don't get something because I said that this is low key racist, then I think I'm okay with that because I don't want to keep, I don't want to work somewhere where they think it's okay to parade to to have a diversity program, but we're gonna keep, you know what I mean pushing all of this confederacy stuff on there mm-hmm. and might i add the a lot of the the main confederate statute in richmond is coming down so yes we're <laughs> you know moving in the right direction to where they can't even go there anymore but yeah so i i i was fearful but i pushed past it just because i you know from my comfort level i would feel comfortable working for an employer who wasn't willing to hear criticism and adjust when it's valid criticism like i'm not just talking about like the air conditioning is too high like no i'm saying (laughs) you're making me feel uncomfortable because you are parading me through race the all of the racism of this country of this city yeah so i push past it because you actually reminded me of a, a you could finish after this, but she reminded me of a conversation I had to have with one of my friends who was just like, I don't understand why they're, why it's so important to tear all these things down. Mm. And I was like, what, what do you mean you don't understand? She was like, I don't understand. Just leave it up there. We ain't going to go into how that conversation went, but go ahead. Drea. <laughs> but I'm just going to speak on that briefly. 
even just from a super not these are not my words but I'm just assuming the opinion of someone else even from a super I love America super patriotic I'm gung-ho all things America standpoint I mean I don't understand why you want to have monuments to treasonous people literally like committed treason that, that they committed treason and lost. I, 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 <laughs> they're like, losers. I don't, they're losers. <laughs> I don't understand how that in your you are so yeah. pro America. You realize these people were literally anti America. They tried to leave America. Like, I, but that's a whole another thing. Back to your question, Cookie. Um, <laughs> I will say, just in thinking back, because you asked me that question. The times that I have spoken up have been times where I didn't really have a whole lot to lose. They have Mm. been times where, honestly, if you react badly, I don't care. Like, Mm. because you don't really have something that I want or that I need or I don't value your opinion or your thoughts at that high of a level, you know. So those have been the times that I have said something. But in you saying your example and asking me now, I am now remembering a specific time on a job that I had where a a manager, I don't know if she was a manager, someone who was over me made, would make comments that just had these racial undertones Mm. that I was very offended by and I never said anything. But Mm -hmm. in that situation, I was in a very small place, limited job prospects. It took me a very long time to get the job that I had. And also, I knew that I wasn't going to be there forever. And also, I think this is the determining factor. She made those comments, but she really liked me because I saw how she Mm -hmm. treated people that she did not like. And yeah, wow, it's crazy just thinking back on that situation right now. Like there was a black girl that I worked with. She, the woman I'm talking about is black. Yes, but oh, yes, oh. she is. Mm-hmm. Yes, but there was a girl that I worked with who was black. She despised her and she made her life hell. Really? And I was like, girl, why do you work here? You should leave. Like <laughs> These people do not pay us enough and life is way too short for you to be up in here while they treat you like that. You should leave. Like what? I'm like, what kind of point are you trying to prove? Who cares? Leave. Uh, there was another guy who was black who came and worked there and you know, he ended up getting fired and he was saying that he was filing suit against her because of what basically he felt like he had been, there was racial discrimination from her. And apparently there had been allegations against her in the past of racial discrimination against black people, even though she was black. And there were comments that she made while I was there. And I was like, Oh, that don't sit right with me. And it shouldn't feel good coming off your lips because you black. And I don't understand why you would say that. But she liked me. And so she didn't treat me that way. And I felt like I had a lot to lose if I said something. So in that situation, I did not. So, Hmm. so, I mean, yeah. So that is another reason why when I gave my scenario, I said, well, it wasn't exactly like your scenario because Mm -hmm. I wasn't like, looking to get something from the people who I said something to. 
it was kind of like a here this is, take it or leave it. I'm just gonna tell you the truth and then I'm yeah. gonna go on about my life kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's how I felt when I did it. Like it was literally like it was a review of me and my review of them, and they gave me all these glowing reviews. They were like, People love working with you, like you've done excellent work. Like, what can we do to stop you from looking for other jobs? And I said, well, one thing you can do is stop taking me to all of these Confederate monuments. We can start there. And I mean, I didn't say it like that, obviously. Like I said it in my most professional voice. But I did say like, yeah, but I didn't have another job lined up. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if another job was going to come out. And the field that I was going in, like grades matter heavily I wasn't even out of school yet so I didn't even know what the rest of my grades were gonna look like so I risked a lot and I was terrified but I also knew that like if I went and worked there without saying something because this is my only opportunity to say something and if I went there and didn't say anything I would be thinking about it the entire time I'm working like I'm literally sitting with you and you are like, you know, going to lunch with you and you literally told me like, this is some of the, like, you know, you were just so proud of this church where these racists congregated. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just had to say something. Um, so uh, let's hopefully, I don't know if it's going to be a light note or not. I was going to say, let's end on a light note and talk about some examples of cringeworthy activism. Have we seen any, like, you doing a lot? Like, I actually have my own cringeworthy activism story. But this year, yeah. Like, now, now thinking back on it, so I was young. I was young, but I remember it vividly, and I, and I can see the little girl face. Um, I think I was like seven or eight. No, I was probably eight or nine because I feel like I was in Miss um, Conway class at the time. And I had just watched the movie Rosewood. I don't know if y'all have no, seen that movie. No, I have not. <laughs> I had just watched the movie Rosewood. And so movies like that kind of, they get me riled up a little bit. And, and there were so many things I didn't understand. I was young. Uh, but I went to school the next day and I was just like, please let one of these white people do something to say something to me. <laughs> and this little girl, I don't even remember what she did, y'all. She might have like broke my color pencil or something. It was like something <laughs> minute. And I let her have it. I was just like, you're the reason why black people are in jail. Your ancestors. It's like I like I let her have it. And of course she cried. Of course she cried. And I felt so bad, but so justified at the same time. I know that's the, that's what I felt. But looking back on it now, I was just like, that girl probably like, I am. Uh, I wonder, like, I just wonder how, the, especially when you're younger, I wonder how that interaction shaped her mindset. Like, I I wasn't fueled by justice or fueled by love. I was fueled by foolishness and rage and hate. <laughs> and that little girl was crying. Adre, if I told you it was, you would just, you would know. You can tell me whenever we tell me when we start to 
but she was just weeping and i i blamed her and all white people for what white people did and this little girl i don't even know the the depth of her knowledge of the situation but i that that was a horrible example of activism at a young age i i blamed her and her ancestors for everything and it probably she took that and probably went one or two ways either she went the way of wow i understand that you know even the smallest things can be rooted in something so much greater it can be perceived in a way that's different than how i see or she went the way of Black people just want to always say something is racially motivated. I just asked the girl for a color pencil and she started going off about slavery. Now, I'm not going to say this, probably 95% chance she went the latter, but yep. I'm just going to say she probably went one or two ways. Yeah. Fair, yeah. Mm. Any other examples y'all got? I actually can't think of any specifically. I can't well this it 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 was cringeworthy in the moment but I think in looking back on it it probably wasn't um but (laughs) so it was literally the height of all like the the you know folks breaking shit hadn't even stopped yet like people were still busting shit up in Atlanta and one of my co-workers huh yes this time okay Oh yeah, yeah. So this time, and one of my coworkers reached out to me, and um, you know, I, her heart was in the right place. <laughs> um, you know, her heart was in the right place. I will say that, and I just wouldn't, you know, and I didn't say nothing to her. So let's just start that. We, I didn't say nothing to her. But so we were talking about um our job's response to everything that has gone on. Um, and just how I didn't like it. And, and she was like, why, what was wrong? I mean, I think that they finally said something and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, this is the first time that they finally said something. And it was, a while we stand against systemic racism, da, 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 we, we fight for justice and we want justice for George Floyd and his family and yada, yada, yada. The next paragraph had to do with property damage. I mean, why is this in the same email? Like, send a separate email. Like, I just, I don't know. I mean, I know that would be doing a lot, but I just don't know why we're putting that all together. You hear what I'm saying? Like, I, so then we, I was explaining that or whatever. And then I, we were talking kind of like a little bit about how just feeling um, unseen and all of this stuff. And then she proceeded to tell me that her and her, she she is white, might I add. So she proceeded to tell me that her and her husband went out in protest. She was like, I, I begged him to come protest with me. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, you know what I mean? It's almost like, you, I, okay, that's great that you, it's like a, yeah, but I'm out here too. You know what I mean? Like I'm fighting with you. And then we kept going on and on and on. And then she ended the conversation with, well, I hope you know I'm with you too. Cause I, I that's what happened. I told her about the other, uh, the white woman who, I, who I've spoke about before, who's above me, who sent me an email and made me cry. And I was telling her about that. And I was like, I feel like I didn't know that I needed to hear that, but I did. And then she was like, well, I hope you know that I'm with you too. And I'm like, 
I didn't respond. I just, <laughs> you gotta know, like, I didn't say anything. Oh, wow. And just because I, I didn't need that right thing. Like we've had countless conversation about race. We, I've talked to this girl about how some of the shit that she says is a little like, you know what I mean? Like it ain't all the way there. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, you just say, you miss it sometimes. You know what I'm saying? We've had conversations <laughs> about race, justice, the economy, all, all politics, everything. So it's like, I know that you're not intending to be right. I know you're not a racist, should I say. I didn't need it. And I just, you know what I mean? Like it just, it, it just felt like it wasn't timely. Like I'm literally explaining to you how angry I am. And you're just, and then on top of that, I'm telling you, I am angry, but the response that I needed from my job was the response that came from, like, I would have appreciated if the firm said something like what the white woman said. Mm, yeah. And they didn't, like, as heartfelt as that was, and they didn't. And it's like, you you also want to, like, chime in and be like, well, I hope you know I'm with you, too. And I went down and I protested, too. And I'm just like, okay, I don't. You know, that's why I said in hindsight, it probably wasn't cringeworthy, but it was it just you, your insert. It's like a, what about me? I'm out here. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like doing it too. Me too. I'm fighting a good fight too. Like, I just, I didn't need it. Yeah. yeah. I get that. And I think, I think that from, that's something that, you know, like kind of how we alluded to, to, we've been fighting this for our entire lives and we'll continue to fight it yeah. for our entire lives. We can't not fight yeah. it because we are black. So the whole, like, mm-hmm. I went out and I protested or I did this for you guys and I'm standing with you and I don't need all of that. Like, I just do it move in silence you get what i'm saying like just go down there and do it i don't need you to tell me that you went to a protest good for you sis that's all i got to say yeah i agree i, I did think of one one cringeworthy thing that i think we can all oh, agree on nancy pelosi and them taking a knee looking like that was cringeworthy sis, what you doing oh, what y'all doing my god yeah, we already talked about that on the podcast, but that we was an did. example that popped up. But that just, like, no. that just, that just, that just, I went back there. I'm just like, what were y'all doing? <laughs> That's a perfect example right there. That is the definition of cringeworthy. Oh, man, I had to take a moment. What were y'all doing? <laughs> what were y'all doing? <laughs> and what HBCU bookstore y'all get them things from? <laughs> them you had to go out of your way. Easy <laughs> <laughs> No, nah. We miss you, Kika. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had some technical difficulties. Kika has dropped out. Uh, Kika has dropped out of the race. She is. <laughs> she got booted off the island. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, all right, that is it. As we said, we will be back again next week with our final episode in this. Uh, series in hindsight but series nonetheless (laughs) um and yeah again like and subscribe to the podcast follow us on social medias at afros and social medias at afros and convos dot let me do that over again follow us on social media at afros and convos on ig email us at afros and convos at gmail.com check out the website at www.afrosandconvos.com all right any final thoughts that you guys have we're all good wear your mask 
please. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Social yeah. distance. Thanks. <laughs> All right. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.